Thanks so much for listening into the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth. And we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. Hello. Wow, I feel like we can go home. That was amazing. Just kidding. I have things to say. Is there any happy people here? I think that was like 10 people. Alex says hi. He's not here. He's suffering away in Ben. You're like, oh gosh, now we have this guy. Are we going to be okay? If there's any questions, my email is alex at saintshill.church if you don't like what I have to say. But I'm also the worship pastor. And uh, so the worship pastor can say wacky things. And everyone's like, oh, it's fine. He just plays guitar. So it's an honor to be here. Uh, wow, his presence is so good. Worship was awesome. We love you, Jesus. We're here to encounter you, Jesus. Jesus the King, come be present. Set up your Lordship here and change our lives. We turn our heart and our affection to you, our attention. Would you help me really good, Lord? (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I'm so excited. Uh, sorry, I'm just filming the Lord. And I'm also just being here. There we go. Sorry, I'm kind of OCD like that. Um, you guys, some of you are like, are we going to be okay with this guy? I'm solemn just to make some of you uncomfortable. Joy is in the house. Release your presence, Lord. Uh, I'm so excited to share tonight. I just felt like, um, before we even get into it, I just wanted to share um, from my heart that this whole time while I was kind of prepping my message and studying and different things, more than ever, I've taught here quite a bit of times, but more than ever, I just felt so much love rise up in my heart for you guys, for the people. I'm just so much love. um, And as a friend, as a brother, maybe as a father to some of you, that type of figure, just a peer, whatever it is. just want you to know that I'm proud of you and the Lord's proud of you. I just felt like this year, um, specifically, I, I felt that he wants to, tonight, pour out his love for you to feel. These are things that are so simple that we've heard tons of times, uh, but that should be very much prevalent in our Christian life, is the love of God, to feel it, to be accepted by him. And I just felt like there's people here that, I felt the Father's heart in looking at you just being like, over this last year, there was a lot of people that just grew in truth, grew in freedom. But how that happens is you saying yes and dying a really sweet death. And I felt that on some of you, that the Lord is just like, hey, your people, we're building a a culture of heaven here. And it took people behind the scenes saying yes to the right thing. Are the stickers in here? Raise your hand. 
No? In the nursery. Well, I just felt them, that they are a family. And I think the young families, the clouds, I just felt like the families in our church, but way more than that, just that the certain parents here that have actually stepped further into, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> and that your, your, your way of parenting has shifted and actually the way you speak life of your children has shifted. And that takes work. It's not always easy. And so I honor you that you have said yes to the kingdom and the Lord's about to release you to do great exploits. It's awesome. Okay, sorry. Here we go. No, I'm not sorry. Okay. So I got a simple message for you tonight. My goal, honestly, tonight is just uh, to remind you of some things, to remind you of the truth, uh, to remind you of certain things that can stir you up once again for the gospel. Um, In 2 Peter, it says this, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in truth. So that's what I'm going to do tonight is I just felt like simple truths to start the year off of just, I want to remind you of certain things. Because I don't know about you, but reminders, um, we need reminders. Reminders actually help keep us focused. Um, they keep us um, present. But reminders also lead us to success. There's certain things that it's like through success of life, it's because you were reminded by something. So I want to remind you of some things. Before we get into it, we, um, we're in a series on Acts. Um, if you didn't hear last week, Bria, uh, how many of you were here last week and listened to Bria? How many of you were just blessed by Bria? So good. Just, if, you, if you didn't hear, go listen to the podcast. It's amazing. So we're going to pick back up into Acts, Acts 17. But before you turn there, um, I want to read Isaiah 53. I want Isaiah 53, um, and you guys don't need to look it up. You can almost even just close your eyes if you want or just um, get in a posture of receiving. Isaiah 53, there's so many different Old Testament prophecies that um, prophesy of Jesus the Messiah coming. Isaiah 53 is one of the biggest ones around. Um, And it's very important. And I want um, Isaiah 53 to almost be the backbone, if you will, the thing that, the filter that we read Acts 17 through. Um, I want, hi. Wow, sorry. Um, Good to see you. Oh, we're family here. Awesome. Okay. I feel a lot more comfortable. Um, But Isaiah 53, I just felt like I wanted to start with that. Read over Isaiah 53 over you guys. And honestly, I want to urge you as I read this to fall in love with Jesus again. As I read this to be like, oh my gosh, that's my uh, Messiah. That's my Jesus. And so uh, let me read this and then we'll get, we'll jump straight in. Isaiah 53, I'm going to start at four, verse four. So you can even close your eyes or just receive. It says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. This is so good. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers his, is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? 
for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. and He will bear their iniquities. Let me pray for tonight. Jesus. We're here for you. We slow down. We give you this night. We're not in a hurry. Jesus, we want to fall more in love with you, our Messiah, our Savior. May we we tonight be reminded of your goodness, of your Lordship. May tonight, uh, would a fresh surrender fall in this place? (laughs) Would you almost spook us with a fresh surrender of like, wow, I didn't know that I came here tonight to give this. We bless your holy name. Holy Spirit, it's a delight of yours to reveal Jesus. Would you do it tonight? We want to see Jesus, our Savior. And everyone says, amen. Now, as I said before, we're continuing our series through Acts. So if you have your Bibles, open up. If you have your phone or or whatever, open up uh, to Acts 17. While you're flipping there, um, I'll just say Acts 17 is, um, it's a great passage in looking at uh, Paul's life, how he approached uh, evangelism. And I will say in studying for this message for Acts 17, um, I kind of realized it, it's kind of something that when you read, um, you maybe just kind of, it seems very informational at times. Uh, it's, it's a good story, as you see, but I just kind of noticed that it was just, oh, this is something easily, easily that you can just kind of read through. Um, but in that moment, I was reminded that every um, word we believe in the Bible has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. So every part of the Bible has something to be revealed. And so um, we're just going to read in Acts 17 and kind of see what the Spirit has for us. So kind of my goal is we'll read through Acts 17. Sorry, kind of plan guy. Read through Acts 17, and then I just have four different points that I have for you that we'll go camp on for a bit, and then uh, I think you'll get home safe. Amen? Okay, Acts 17. Verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through, oh, here we go, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. So I'm not going to say much about that, except, well, keep reading, Alcobo. Okay, but there's a Jewish synagogue there, because, and, he, and Thessalonica is a uh, big city. It's a bigger city. That's why they passed through some of those uh, other cities. And it's a big city of uh, kind of diverse thinking and just a lot going on there. And whenever you see that there's a Jewish synagogue there, it essentially just means that there is enough Jewish population to build one, okay? So that's why they go there. As was his custom... So this is what he does. Paul went into the synagogue. And on three Sabbath, Sabbath days, so that's, we know it's actually three weeks, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Reasoned with them from the scriptures. Explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. Saying, this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. 
real quick, that's important because it says that he had to go and prove to them because in the Jewish thought most of the time, but it was very prevalent that their um, savior coming, the king of the world was actually, um, yes, a savior, yes, a Messiah. They had Old Testament prophecies, but really their picture was almost, if you will, kind of a political figure, a big uh, crazy leader that is actually come and destroy their enemies and do these kind of things. So he had to prove that actually, no, Jesus had to come and suffer um, and to be risen. So that's why he had to do that. So this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. And he said, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. Yikes. So they rounded up some bad characters, oh gosh, from the marketplace, formed a mob, weird, and started a riot in the city. Scary. They rushed to Jason's house. It was the first time of hearing a guy named Jason, and he has a house, I guess. Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason, that little stinker, has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, yikes, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go in Berea. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, not Berea Walter, away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Whoa, what? Okay, so arriving there, they went straight to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were more uh, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness, say eagerness, and examined the scriptures every day, say every day, to see if what Paul said was true. I love this. As a result, many of them believed as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. This is our last verse of the night. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. I think cool story. Um, I think there's actually a lot to learn there. And I have four points. Um, I even kind of said at the beginning of the message, four reminders really for us to get from this message that I think can really honestly encourage us, compel us again, once again, for the love for the gospel. So my first reminder, my first point, uh, first slide here, is we are missionaries. And we have a message to share. We have a person to share. We are missionaries and we have a message to share and we have a person to share. See, let me remind you of this very simple yet powerful truth tonight that you are a missionary. You are unto a mission. When you join the family of God, yes, you got a new identity. Everything changed about you, but you were also given a mission. We were given a God mission. I'd argue we inherited a mission from the person of Jesus How many of you all know that once you're in the kingdom, there's a bunch of work to be done? Okay. 
and we have heard um, words from the scriptures, words from Jesus' mouth, like John 20 says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, which means there's somebody out there that has none. Therefore, it's the enemy. Therefore, that's good news. Therefore, go and make disciples. Are you guys awake? Okay, maybe it's just for me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Lastly, in the book that we're in, Acts 1.8 said this, but you will receive, say receive, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and Newburgh and Dundee and the Willamette Valley and Portland and to the ends of the earth. Right? So we are missionaries. Maybe there's some of you out there that are like, but Jake, missionaries, isn't that for YWAM? Isn't that for circuit riders? I thought technically to be a certain missionary, is that like out of the state, out of the country? Yes, but no. Once again, I probably sound like a broken record, but I would say every believer, every confessing Christian is a missionary. We truly should see ourselves as missionaries. Why? Because we have a message. Missionaries have a message. We have the good news of Christ to share with the world. So never forget that. Remember, you have good news. You have a testimony from Jesus. You have good news ready to be shared. We learn in the book of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In Philippians, we learn our citizenship is in heaven. So I know it sounds cheesy, maybe even a little Christianese, but we are not of this world. Us knowing that our citizenship in heaven shows that we then, therefore, are missionaries here on earth. I don't know if you've ever thought of of this before, but raise your hand if you've been on a missions trip before. Awesome, wow. Raise your hand if on those trips you just remember seeing something crazy happen. Like the craziest God stuff. Okay, awesome. Me too. I've talked to others about it as well. But kind of this idea of why does, why does it seem like more crazy things happen on missions trips? Well, I think so many things. I think maybe a factor for sure could be that the people that on that mission trip that you went to go see, that you served to, that you were on mission to... Uh, there's a potential that those people could have more faith, right, in that place, more faith than maybe like the Western church or Americans, that's a thought. Um, Like there's, uh, in those places, there's a lot more uh, belief or even maybe lack, and so they really believe that God can give them something. Could sound silly, but I also, uh, maybe it's when you've gone, you're kind of a little bit more, I know this, I was this way, um, that maybe you were a little bit more eager, you were maybe more risk-taking, just knowing, just knowing that you're in a place where no one knows you. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm just going to be this like super risk-filled guy because no one even knows me. Kind of lame, but I've been there. So you kind of just have more faith in yourself. Also, some of it could be you're just aware 
uh, how much more you are invested into this trip or mission, right? So you're, you're just like invested. You're like, this has to bear fruit. Um, I have to make the most out of this trip. Like you raise money, right? Like I need $17,225. That made no sense. But I need $17,000 in two hours, right? I'm just poking fun, but I've been there. But you, you just hear that, right? And so you get a lot of money and you're invested into your trip. And so you like are traveling, you have money. And so you're just like, you're so aware that you're a missionary. But I would just argue today, like what's different about today? I want to ask you a question that are you just as invested in your mission the mission that has never changed, the one that God gave you in your town, in your life right now? Did you, did you remember, do you remember the call and the good news just like when you're on a mission trip? Lastly, it sounds simple, but maybe you felt more powerful or crazy God stuff happen because just everywhere you went, everything you did, kind of like I said before, you're aware that, okay, I'm on a mission, so you held on to this identity. It's who I am, it's what I do. So simply put, you were constantly aware of the idea of I'm on a mission, right? I know for me, it was like, we'd go to this thing and you're like, I'm here to bless the people here. I'm here to pray for healing. I'm here to give a prophetic word, whatever it is. See, all of that is good and I love it. But I'd propose that since you are in the family of God, since you know the good news, once you said yes to Jesus and his kingdom, his mission, his message, his commissioning language that we read before over your life, then you instantly became a missionary. You were just as much a missionary before you went on the trip than, you, than when you were on it. It's because you held on to your identity. But let me remind you uh, today that you being a missionary is actually a way of life. It's not a title. It's not a position. But it's a lifestyle. If you woke up every morning just being like, I'm on mission to Newburgh or wherever you are, would that change how you live life? do you think you'd act differently? See, in this passage, we see Paul living this way. I just even love the language of like, he was traveling, he was passing through towns. He was staying in towns like Thessalonica. He was on mission. But why? Because he had a message. The good news compelled him. See, think of Paul. He was radically changed by the gospel. Radically changed. And it pushed him to be on a mission, to share a message. Everywhere he went in towns, you read it in Acts, he was there to reveal the person of Jesus, to be the king of the world. Do you remember tonight how you were radically changed by Jesus? Do you remember the truth of the gospel that gripped your soul? Does that reality push you into a missions lifestyle today? In verse one, it said this, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where, the, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue. So it may be a stretch, uh, but what is your custom in going to a synagogue? So what I mean is, let me rephrase this. Where do you go in your life where people gather with different ways of thinking than you? Where do you go where people actually worship different things? Where do you go where people actually have different instructions for how to live life? See, I love the language and that Paul and his companions passed through. See, it shows that Paul was on a mission to give people renewed minds. 
However, it was, it was him traveling with a mission throughout his life and preaching the gospel, right? So he was on a mission and he was devoted to it. So he goes to Thessalonica. He stares, stays there for three weeks and we see that conflict and persecution happens. So then he leaves to Berea and I love that right when it says that he, he went to Berea, what was the first thing that he did? He went to the Jewish synagogue. That's a man on a mission. He went to a town and, and a riot took place. And he, he, so he leaves. And the first thing that he does is goes, goes back and does what just happened. He doesn't like take a break. See, his message compelled and drew, his me, the message in his heart compelled him in love and drove him to a mission. So to make this point even stronger, it's not just a, the point of it not just being an evangelistic position or, or a certain occupation of being in ministry. This is kind of a Jake assumption here, but in Acts 18, we see that he goes to a new town, Corinth, and he does the same thing. He goes and reasons with the scriptures, but it says while he's in Corinth, while he's there, it gets a little bit more insight that it's what did he do there? He um, picked up tent, tent making was his occupation. And so it says he uh, met some people there that made tents. And so he made a living there. So this could be kind of like a, a stretch, but he goes in the synagogue, shares with the Jews the good news of Jesus about him being the suffering savior. But meanwhile, really, he was a tent maker. He was a normal guy, but he was compelled with a mission. He was compelled to something. So really, this is a long-winded way of just saying, you're not safe. You're not, you don't have to just go through a certain school to preach the name of Jesus. He was a tent maker. It mentions in chapter 18, what I just said, Paul stayed with them, worked with them at tent makers by trade. But over all of that was that he was a missionary. And when you read that he goes to these different towns, you almost sense, at least I did, this kind of urgency of I have to, once I go to the next town, I have to go to the place of thinking and reveal Jesus. See, in our world now, we need Christians in everyday life that truly believe they're missionaries. Why? Why? Because they believe the news that they have is actually good enough to share. Even if it brings trials and conflict, it doesn't matter. Because what needs to be preached with power and courage more than ever is that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the King. It needs to be preached, come and die to yourself and live for Christ. We must step, as the believers, step into that mission again. And we must preach Jesus. Not a different gospel. Not one that just makes people feel comfortable. So today, do you remember that you are a missionary? Do you remember the good news? And is that good news welling up inside of you where you're like, I just have to share this. I have to speak up. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like at work or wherever you go, people are sharing gospels all the time. The gospel of keto. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. Probably should do it. But the gospel of keto, and they just say crazy stuff. So we can say crazy stuff. Eat steak all the time and put butter in your coffee and you're going to be fine. You'll lose a bunch of weight. Probably true, but we hear the gospel of keto all the time. Not as much anymore, but I remember nonstop hearing the gospel of CrossFit. Is these crazy, just 
I mean, maybe I'm jealous, but these just crazy, just shredded dudes. And all, like, you could never um, wonder if a CrossFitter did CrossFit. It was almost like the title. It was like, that's all they talked about. It's like, hey, I'm Jake, and I go to CrossFit. Um, I love it. If you're in one, maybe hook it up. But still, so people share Gospels all the time, so we can. So my first point is we are missionaries. Next point, and each of these points kind of stack up together, is next slide. Our lives must be a fork in the road. See, so we remember that we're missionaries. We have a message and we have a person to reveal. But what does that look like? Well, I would argue it looks like being a fork in the road to the world. Is your life, does your mission, does your message create a fork in the road for people and ways of thinking to change when they encounter you? A fork in the road. What does that mean? That's kind of Jake language. But essentially, is your life sharp enough that it creates an atmosphere or an invitation for people to have to make a decision, to make a new decision for their life when they meet you? Does your life make others question theirs? Remember, once again, kindness leads to repentance. So this isn't a harsh thing, right? Remember in the, in the word, Luke says this. It says of Jesus that he grew in stature and wisdom among God and man. Right, so as we, uh, we're, we kind of walk this Christian tightrope, if you will, and it's one of growing in favor with God and growing in favor with man. See, this made me think, is it possible uh, to be called uh, by God and grow in a tons of favor with God and then no favor with man? <laughs> like you're so intense and judgmental, preaching truths, but no man likes you? Me. I've known some of those people, wrong. So we need to grow in wisdom and favor with man. Like Christians obviously should be the best employees that any company's ever had. That they're the best people to have around. However, the tightrope we must walk is that our lives and what we share are forks in the road. See, the truth of the gospel divides, <laughs> right? It really does. It confronts. The message of the gospel, how many of you know, is, is, is extremely intrusive to someone's life. Like Jesus is just like, oh, the overwhelmed. Like he's reckless, right? He's so intrusive. Yes, I'm your worship pastor. Um, but the gospel is, is honestly divisive in, in a good way. The message we carry alone truly is a fork in the road. So is how you live your life, what you say, what you believe, a fork in the road. I think of Jesus saying something as crazy as this, whoever is not with me is against me. That's a fork in the road. Truth divides in such a beautiful way. It gives us a new reality. And we are confronted with decisions that we must make. Our lives must do that for others. I would argue one of the main reasons why our lives and our message are a fork in the road, and on top of that, tend to be pretty controversial at times, is because we are asking people, ultimately, to give up control. The fork in the road for people in their world is that, hey, there's a new king in town, and he must reign. It's controversial. But I'd argue that the church, oh, here we go. I'd argue the church for too long has had a message of come to church and, and come to Jesus so that your life can just be better that you can just be more happy. Obviously, the Christian life I found, maybe you found, is, is a life filled with tons of joy, tons of hope, 
but our message is because nothing that you can do, no practice that you can do, nothing, no way for you to whip yourself into shape. It's the joy of sweet death and surrender and making Jesus king of your life is our message. Why? Because truly there is an urgency, not out of fear, but I don't want you to just be happy and then go to hell. I don't. See, it's our job to see the world as lost sons and daughters being invited into communion again and heaven coming back into your life so that it's not just a place that you go, but it comes into you and then wherever you go, heaven's released out of you. It invites people into the journey of loving Jesus, ultimately to carry out a mission. So our lives are a fork in the road. So in this next year, ask yourself, how can you be more bold? How can you be more loud about the message of Jesus and less silent? Can you step up to the call to make your life a fork in the road? A life of no compromise. I mentioned before, um, but I love seeing in Paul's life in Acts 17, where he left one town and instantly entered another to do the same thing that brought about conflict. That's so cool, so powerful. See, having your life become a fork in the road brings about controversy. It brings about conflict and trials. But remember, it's not because of the messenger, it's because of the message. All over scriptures, over and over, we see that the message that we've been given stirs up animosity and conflict. Even to this day, we see this. So we must be okay with this and know that it's been proven over years and years that if you preach the same message of the pure, simple gospel of Jesus, it will come with persecution and conflict. It just simply does. But we don't do it all for the sake of conflict, right? We don't ever do it. I've met people like this. Maybe I've been there. We don't do it with like a chip on our shoulders just to ruffle people's feathers. Once again, we're growing in favor with man. But our tool is love. If our message is not causing some type of disruption, I would question if we're actually sharing the whole gospel. I'll say that again. If our message is not causing some type of disruption around us, I'd question if we're actually sharing the full gospel of Jesus. See, I think at times we've created gospel. We created a gospel that makes sure that just people don't get offended. So instead we opt out for a marketing technique Um, that can just improve your life. No, our gospel must be intrusive to hearts and push people to give a life-giving surrender. See, in Acts 17, we see people then moved in jealousy, anger, bitterness. Why? Because like how I mentioned before, control. And lordship is being questioned and lost, right? So is Caesar. There was a whole trial there because of that, which is also funny because our message, as you know, is... Uh, of the Lord's kingdom. And we're actually instructed uh, to respect and honor people in authority, right? But we just ultimately serve another king. So we see riots and people gathering to go against people sharing Jesus. We see trial of some sort take place. I love this in verse six, it says this. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials saying, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. I think uh, most other translations actually say it the best. This is so good. The ESV in New King James says this. Next slide. Shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. 
(laughs) See, all of us here today reading that actually know that that is one heck of a compliment. These men who have turned the world upside down. When I was writing this, I just, what rose up in me was just this. What a gift it would be to hear that said of Saints Hill Church. Those saints in Newburgh (laughs) who came to our valley, they started going up that hill of the Lord. They turned the Willamette Valley upside down. It's a good word. See, what's beautiful is since we know the whole message and what it really is, we know that one heart at a time, one renewing mind at a time, we are using the gospel to actually turn the world right side up. Truth. See, actually, us living lives in our everyday jobs, duties, schedules, when we see our lives as missionaries with a mission, we live our lives like they're forks in the road, we reveal that the world and its way of thinking are actually upside down. We show that you must be born again, and then life starts to really make sense, and you feel right side up again. How many of you experienced that? You're like, oh, I thought this was the way of living, and then I met Jesus, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's upside down. So our lives must be forks in the road. You guys getting anything from this? Me too. My third reminder is this. Next slide. Paul, a reason from the scriptures. Okay, so where are we at? We're missionaries with a message. Uh, The message is a person named Jesus. It allows us to be forks in the road. But how do we go about that? Well, Paul perfectly role modeled this, that his tool for evangelism, if you will, was yes through the power of the Spirit. For us at times, it's prophecy, it's the miraculous. But however, Paul went into towns, and what did he do? He reasoned with the scriptures. He reasoned from. So he didn't reason with, he reasoned from the scriptures. It's different. It's a really good reminder because we must do the same, especially today. The world needs to hear the plain and powerful scriptures. They need to hear the name and testimony of Jesus. So we must reason from the scriptures. See, I would argue every confessing Christian who believes in Jesus is and must be a theologian. Thank you. Say this with me. I am a theologian. Maybe put your hand on your heart. I am a theologian. Maybe prophetically declared over this next year. One more time. I am a theologian. (laughs) See, we've been given a book. You've been given a book that we call truth. It's the owner's manual of love, life. It's the word of God. It's what we lay our lives fully on, right? It's our foundation. So I want to remind us again, um, especially more than ever today, If we don't know the book, if we aren't theologians, um, see, theologians aren't just for the super smart people that actually read the word. No, we must give ourselves to the scriptures. Why? So we can just like Paul reason reason from them and see people come to Christ. Paul reasoned from the scriptures. It didn't say he reasoned from his thoughts. It didn't say that he reasoned from his opinions. How many people do you know, maybe I, I for sure have been there, that you just reason a lot with your emotions? No. See, so many people just believe things because it's been shared with them or ultimately because of how it makes them feel. Or their beliefs are reason from social media, different news outlets. It's scary because nowadays I, I've seen that that's actually valid enough to believe in something. You get something, and it's not from the scriptures, and you've heard somebody else say it, and you're like, oh, I believe that. 
and that is like valid enough. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Also, we're not called to reason from uh, the place on earth that is closest like hell, Facebook, right? We're not called to reason from Instagram. So many people reason, even Christians, uh, sometimes from other places. They reason from culture. They reason from their own thoughts. They reason from podcasts. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We, St. Hill Church, will be people that reason and start from the scriptures. So I challenge you all tonight, can you do that? Really ask yourself, can I reason from the scriptures? This obviously isn't here to bring shame. This is supposed to bring excitement and love for the scriptures again, for the word of God and the word of God alone. Can you, can, can you reason the scriptures? Can you share of Old Testament prophecies like the one we read, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Levit- Leviticus 14? Do you know these verses? Can you do that? In 1 Peter, it says this, and I love it. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. (sighs) Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So once again, are you always prepared to give a gospel answer? Not from feelings, not from experience or emotions or what you've heard. Or even the things that we've said from this stage in this pulpit. You gotta, you gotta take it to the scriptures. Is, is what Jake's saying is true? In Berea, that's what they did. They examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. Do you, can you reason from the scriptures? So church, may this be a year where we can fully say as a family, get this, that I will not speak on anything that I haven't heard the Lord's voice on. May this be a year that we can say, I will not speak on anything that I haven't heard the Lord's voice on. I think uh, Emily, one of my best friends, Alex's wife, she has this little saying where she's like, I think we've shared it before, but she's so witty and fun. I love her. But she just says, one of the ways to be the smartest people in the room is just don't talk about anything you don't know anything about. Just be silent. But to take it a step further, may we be a church that actually... We actually can share this because the Lord spoke on this. We have history with the Lord. His voice is heavy on this, so we can say this. But anything else, sorry. So Paul reasoned from the scriptures. I love that we see that his main message was this. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. It's got me super excited uh, reading this again because his message was simple and was about Jesus. I sound like a broken record. May we never change the subject of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It shows us that in Thessalonica and Berea, that people joined in believing that message. So it's simple. I got to encourage you. The message still works. Even writing this, I got to be very transparent. I was like, ah, I've taught kind of things like this before. And are people just going to yawn? It's like, it's, the barometer isn't if you like it. We've been given a mission and it's just preach Jesus. So hopefully that encourages somebody where it's like, if what's stopping you is like, oh, I guarantee you that my boss already knows this stuff. Who cares? He doesn't know the spirit that's inside of you that wants out. So it's like just the message still works.
there may be a day, uh, definitely not out of fear, but I felt this in writing it, there may be a day soon um, in the future where we actually can't fully say some of this stuff. <laughs> See, we've already seen things over the years of Jesus being taken out of school, all these different things. So there is an urgency, church, to, to while we have freedom in the Western church to speak and declare the name of Jesus. We must, we must. I love back in the passage, it says, uh, Paul kind of did his thing in the town and then they go to look for him and they can't find him. It's because God ultimately protects his children that preach the gospel. We, say, we see that uh, Satan does a good job, at least he thinks, of stirring up the crowds because success in the kingdom a lot of times is accompanied by opposition at times. So Satan wants you to stay silent. And a lot of times I've seen that the church does get silent and the church responds with substituting the message and creates a social gospel that can cater to everyone. But no, we must be bold. Because people that move the world are the ones that don't let the world move them. Can I get an amen? I've got to wrap up here. I propose that the Western church at time hasn't kept the message on Jesus and what he calls us into. Um, the reason why we uh, don't see major persecution towards us sometimes, like we hear about it elsewhere, but really we have it good, is maybe in fact because uh, over the years the Western church has actually uh, downed the gospel and created a gospel of happy instead of one that actually attracts conflict. So we don't do it for conflict's sake. Right? I got to be honest, I don't want to be persecuted. That doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound like, hey, sign me up. Uh, I'm in here for the persecution line, ready to preach. I want to be the first one. It doesn't sound fun. However, it does make me think that um, what happens uh, to people in groups that preach the full message uh, and there's conflict is because um, the message actually had to cost them something. Had to cost them um, dignity to maybe look stupid. So my last point, I got to wrap up here. Sorry, guys. My last point, the guy that doesn't preach that much just has to keep going, I guess. The Berarian spirit, we won't be on this for that long. So we're missionaries, forks on the road. We reason with the scriptures. But lastly, how do we get to that spot? I propose it's the spirit that the Berarians had. As we read, they had an eagerness to receive. They examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul was saying was true. So to get to a place of being a fork in the road and reasoning from the scriptures, we must be ignited tonight again for an eagerness to receive his voice and be guided by it. In Job, it says this. This is amazing. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. Now get this. It's so good. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. More than my daily bread. So my challenge for us to end in this new year is to be in the scriptures daily. <laughs> Why? So that we can be fed and then reason from them. To have the Berarian spirit to be eager to receive. And like Job, uh, have it be higher than our daily bread. How many of you have time to eat food? Then you have time to read. I've heard people say a lot of times, I can't just read a ton. It's not about that. I have to feel it in my heart and I have, I have to ponder. I have to remember. I can't, I can't read as much. 
but I, I challenge you with this thought. I can say this because I'm a dad and it just sounds cheesy. I'll challenge you with this thought. I can't remember what I had for breakfast two Sundays ago, but I know I needed to eat and I remember it nourished me. I can't tell you what I had, but it doesn't matter. It fed me. So let's read. So in this year, we need to know the scriptures. And and in Acts, it said, the result of them examining it daily was people believed. We need to be in the scriptures so people have faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And by hearing the word of? We need to be in the scriptures so that people can have faith. We could all stand. Worship team, you can come up. So to end, uh, I just want to commission you guys again. Go into a time of worship. It is seven, so if you need to leave, you're free to leave. I'm I'm really sorry that I went over. I want to honor your guys' time, but um, I still think God has some stuff here. Um, But you are free to go. There's no shame in that. But my commissioning for you is this. A time is coming, I do believe. Even just how our gatherings have been since this, since just like the lockdown, the most recent one. I don't know about you, but our gatherings have been insane. Not because of like what's going on up here. Trust me, it is not that. The spirit of God is clearly doing something here. So I believe that there's a time coming to our town, our valley, our world, where revival really is breaking out. And I do believe that it takes a courageous people and the transition from now to full on revival, it's gonna be a troubled transition. There's gonna be people that don't like it. I, I think we've already seen the fruits of this. I do wanna share this is, is just to encourage you. We live in a small town. There's so many pros. I gotta be honest here. There's so many pros, but there is some cons. We have a university here. We have a lot of churches here. In small town, it's very easy to kind of get in the mindset of just like, hey, this is how we always do things. Don't rock the boat. Nothing big can come of here, or you fill in the blank. But we must be okay with challenging life in areas of thought and belief with the name of Jesus. Because to end, I just, I just want to remind us, in order to get there, I do think there's a time coming where our town, Newburgh, our Willamette Valley, Valley will say those are the people, the men and women that turn the world upside down. They actually believed in them. They were courageous. They maybe look silly. They look stupid. They looked wacky. Who cares? Because I think that we are building a culture here, and prophetically, I just want to declare it, it's getting to the point um, where we're growing People are hearing about us. And there's a culture in this room that needs to get out of the four walls. And in a small town, it can get a little spooky. But God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. It's time for people to be commissioned again. And so a great time to do is worship. So I encourage you, sign up again in your heart. Say, Jesus, use me however you want. That may look like coming forward. Prayer team, uh, can we get you up here? Um, and that may be coming forward and you may feel dry and I don't really actually believe the gospel that much anymore to a point where I wanna share it. Let's pray for you. Let's put courage in you. But for the rest of you, um, this isn't also something that you have to feel. I'm sorry to be so direct. This isn't just like, oh, I don't feel a call of undemission. It's just truth. You're a believer. So do what you gotta do with the Lord and, and, and sign up again and say, no, I have a message. That may look like in worship saying, I break off the spirit of fear. 
give me courage. I'm ready to speak up. God, give me the courage to read the scriptures again. I want to go fully after them. I don't want to speak on anything that, that uh, you haven't talked on. Whatever it is, anything that I shared, just be blessed by that. Amen? Thanks for listening. Bless you guys. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier when I'm found.